The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Schizophrenia Community Radio. By listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio, you'll be joining, supporting, and gaining strength from the schizophrenia community. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 16 of Schizophrenia Community Radio. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is injectables and their role in medical treatment of schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is a serious mental illness associated with psychotic symptoms which create difficulties maintaining contact with reality, high-risk behaviors in some individuals. Schizophrenia affects men and women with equal frequency, most often appears in men in their late teens or early 20s, in women in their late 20s or early 30s. Schizophrenia may interfere with the ability to think clearly, manage emotions, make decisions and relate to others, which causes some individuals who are living with schizophrenia to believe they have no illness, leads them to resist prescribed medications such as antipsychotics, which may have unpleasant side effects, and um, encourages them to to turn to street drugs, of which some are lethal mixtures of powerful substances, all of which is why our topic, injectables and their role in medical treatment of schizophrenia, is so important for the schizophrenia community and for the mental health community generally. Uh, To discuss this, this important episode, our guest is Dr. Pierre Chu. Pierre is currently in full-time clinical practice as clinical professor in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Alberta, medical director for community mental health programs, Capital Health in Edmonton, consulting psychiatrist with telemental health services in the province of Alberta. He completed his medical degree and psychiatric specialization in the UK before moving to Canada in 1991, where he obtained his Canadian medical license and specialist qualifications. In 1998, he obtained American Board's certifications in psychiatry and neurology. In 2002, he completed an MSc, master's degree, in psychiatry at the University of Alberta. In 2004, he was elected a fellow of the Royal College of Psychiatrists and was designated a certified specialist in psychiatry. He's author or co-author of more than 120 articles and abstracts in peer-reviewed medical journals, book chapters and scientific symposia. And in 2004, he was rated as the most frequently quoted physician in the Canadian media. And... On top of all of this, he teaches students in medicine, pharmacy, neuroscience, psychiatry, 
psychology and nursing from around the world and he's frequently invited as a contributor to major psychiatric congresses. So welcome to the show, uh, Pierre. Welcome, pleased to have you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very pleased to, uh, to participate. Great. Now, first question for you, please. Please tell us more about your career as a medical researcher. I've always been interested in the treatment, both the diagnosis and treatment of uh, schizophrenia. Over the last um, 15, almost 20 years now, I've been involved in the development of uh, some of the newer uh, treatments, specifically the antipsychotics for the treatment of schizophrenia. My goal has really been to look at um, better, safer, more effective agents that are uh, easier to uh, deliver and uh, um, hopefully lead to better outcomes for patients who are suffering from schizophrenia. Now, please tell us what's meant by injectables and long-acting injectables and explain to us how these are used for medical treatment of schizophrenia. Yeah? Antipsychotic medications come in a variety of different forms or, or formulations. So these can be pills, uh, they can be liquids or suspensions or injections. And we have two types of injection, a short-acting injection, which is often used for um, more acute symptoms or acute control, and a long-acting injection, which can be given once every two to four weeks. And that replaces the uh, oral medication that would need to be taken on a daily basis. So it's designed to provide um, uh, prophylaxis, i.e. prevention of the symptoms of schizophrenia when utilized on a regular basis. Now, please tell us what antipsychotics are and how these are used for medical treatment of schizophrenia. Yeah? Antipsychotics refer to a class of uh, psychotropic agent, um, in other words, uh, medication that acts on the mind. And the antipsychotics as a class um, tend to act on a certain number of neurotransmitters and receptors within the brain that we know are implicated um, in uh, schizophrenia. So typically, uh, these are um, dopamine receptors and serotonin receptors. And by um, blocking uh, these particular receptors, these agents are able to control um, many of the uh, disabling symptoms of schizophrenia, um, which can range from positive symptoms like delusions and hallucinations to negative symptoms, which include a motivation, loss of interest, um, loss of pleasure in life, and so on. Um, the newer agents also um, are effective in terms of helping with some of the mood component that we know is also an inherent part of schizophrenia and also may prevent some of the cognitive decline uh, that we see in some patients with schizophrenia. This is um, um, the problem that can occur with memory and, and attention and concentration and focus uh, when individuals have suffered from the illness for a period of time. Please tell us a little bit more about the history of antipsychotics. When were they first developed? How many kind of years of experience have we had with them? And what have we learned from the experience of using antipsychotics in the treatment of schizophrenia? Pierre? Uh, like many of the uh, drugs that we use in schizophrenia, um, the antipsychotics were actually discovered quite by accident um, in the uh, late 40s and early 50s. Um, the first antipsychotic was chlorpromazine, um, often known as Largactyl, and that was actually developed as an agent to um, help calm people before um, um, anesthesia and, and surgical um, operations. 
that um, uh, first agent called promazine then developed into a class of antipsychotics um, that have been around since the early 50s. And they're often referred to as the first generation or conventional antipsychotics. And they were the agents that we utilized right up and until the early 90s when we developed uh, newer, um, somewhat more um, effective agents called the second generation antipsychotics, which were much more a rational development of agents that were targeting some of the um, uh, neurotransmitters that we understood to be uh, part of the neurobiology of schizophrenia. And in the recent couple of years, maybe the last uh, three to five years, we've had some advancements or developments in terms of uh, some newer antipsychotics that we kind of broadly term the third generation antipsychotics that have some differences, again, that may be of benefit um, uh, for patients with schizophrenia. When you're, because you're, you're, you prescribe, don't you? You're a clinical, you're a clinician and you prescribe antipsychotics and things like that for your patients. That's right, isn't it? Yes, yes. I'm, in fact, a full-time clinician, and uh, um, I see patients with schizophrenia uh, on a daily basis in, in my clinic and also in home visits. Right. So what do you – please tell us what your explanation that you give to the individuals and also their families and family caregivers about the role of the antipsychotics. In other words, how do you explain them to people who are going to be involved with them? Yeah? I really focus on um, how I can make someone feel better. Um, I tend not to necessarily focus on either the delusions or the hallucinations or the, or the, the symptoms per se, but really in terms of how I can make someone uh, feel better, less distressed, less bothered by the phenomena that they're experiencing. So I will usually talk to them about a medication that may help with um, um, making them feel calmer, um, being able to sleep better, um, to have clearer thoughts, uh, not to be distracted by some of the things that they're currently experiencing. Um, so really, um, I try and convey uh, the idea that this is a, a medication that acts on different things in the brain, which will, um, when put together, uh, make them feel more relaxed, more comfortable, and more able to deal with what's going on in their lives. I'm going to use a word which probably you don't use um, by way of just positioning what the antipsychotics do um, in a broad way. Would it be fair to say that the antipsychotics are form a form of tranquilizers in the in the context you're using them, or is that wrong? Yeah, um, it, it's it's partly right if I can put it that way. Um, it's certainly, um, or they certainly um, do help people um, experience some uh, resolution of the phenomena that cause anxiety, agitation, uh, restlessness, um, uh, disturbed sleep, and so on. So in a sense, they, they are calming, they are sedative, although that's, that's not their primary goal. Um, um, obviously, their primary uh, goal is to, uh, to treat the symptoms of the schizophrenia, and by doing so, that translates into a general calming effect, um, a, a reduction in, in the phenomena which uh, are often causing uh, my patients a significant amount of distress. Right. Um when you explain these things to the family caregivers, just in the, w the very clear way you've done, um, what kind of questions do they ask you? Just briefly, what kind of questions? 
Um, we often spend quite a long time um, dealing with uh, with with diagnosis. Um, I think the diagnosis of schizophrenia is often quite a it's a shock to families. It's uh, a frightening diagnosis, and I really try and explain that um, first of all in terms of what I think that means for this particular individual, because schizophrenia I think is uh, different things for different people. And then we really focus on um, how we can help with some of those symptoms. And uh, I talk about the range of medications that are available, and I, I do my best to spend time answering questions that they may have. Um, there are often misconceptions and I think often erroneous information about both psychiatry, about the diagnosis of schizophrenia, and also about medications that have to be kind of uh, put to put to rest um, uh, early on because otherwise that has a negative effect on the, on the relationship that we have with our patients and their caregivers right. and uh, can impact um, in terms of whether um, there is that hope and trust in the treatment and in the clinician to be able to do something that helps the individual. Great. Now, it's time for us to take a short break. I always say this is where we pay the rent, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Dr. Pierre Chu. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Voice America's Health and Wellness and Variety Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You are listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments you'd like to share with him, please send them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's doc, letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio. Welcome back to our listeners 
to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Dr. Pierre Chu. Our topic is injectables and their role in medical treatment of schizophrenia. Um, Pierre, now let's talk about the ways in which long-acting injectable antipsychotics address the challenges created by schizophrenia for the individuals who live with it and for their families and family caregivers and for the medical treatment of schizophrenia and about the challenges, as I call them, that persist. So question one out of that is, how do long-acting injectable antipsychotics address the challenges created by schizophrenia for individuals who live with it, and what are the main challenges that persist? Yeah? Up until the development of the long-acting injectables, um, patients were dependent or reliant upon oral medications. And uh, as everyone knows who has to take medications, remembering to take a medication each and every day and sometimes several times a day is a difficult enough task um, anyway. And when you have a an illness that sometimes affects your memory and, and how you feel and your sleep and so on, um, it becomes even more so. So the biggest, I think, advantage, if I can put it that way, of the long-acting injectables is that they take away that uh, huge burden of having to remember to take medications each day. And by receiving an injection once every two weeks or once every four weeks, we can often reduce the uh, treatment to uh, really a very simple form. And that's important because um, in schizophrenia, and in fact, it's no different to many other uh, psychiatric and physical illnesses, um, probably at least 60% of patients are not very consistent with their medications. So we talk about partial adherence or non-adherence, which is missing out medications or forgetting medications or um, being late with medications. And that happens at least 60% of the time um, um, or to 60% of, of patients. So um, one can imagine that um, by using a treatment that you know you've given that stays in the body for a period of time, does what it needs to do in the brain, it allows much more consistency in terms of overall treatment and therefore improves outcome. Right. Now, just to extend that question, what are the main challenges that persist? In other words, what are the things that, in your mind, need to be continue to be addressed, uh, even though the antipsychotics injectables are so useful? What, what are the persisting challenges, Pierre? Uh, well, certainly the, the treatment of schizophrenia is not just about medications. Um, it's also about the psychosocial treatments. So it's psychotherapy. Um, it's um, helping individuals um, in relationships, in work, um, in studies, and so on. And um, we're quite good, I think, at, at um, getting the medication piece um, sorted out. We're not so good in terms of um, putting in the other pieces and coordinating all of that to ensure that um, we have the best possible outcome. But I think being on medication and being on the right medication allows an individual to reach their kind of maximum potential and then take advantage of some of the other um, services and um, um, benefits that might be available to them, whether that's work or whether that's um, uh, academics or, or whatever. Um, so I think the challenge that I see is, is really trying to first um, uh, get the medication um, sorted out, um, the right medication, the right way of delivering the medication, and then combining that with the other treatments that we know are, are so important. 
Right. Now, it's basically the same question, but it's this. How do long-acting injectable antipsychotics address the challenges created for, by schizophrenia for the families and family caregivers of the people, the individuals living with it? And what are the main challenges that persist for families and family caregivers? Pierre? Uh, well, with schizophrenia, and perhaps even more so than many other um, mental illnesses, um, there is a huge burden that falls upon families uh, to provide support, accommodation, um, even finances to those individuals that are suffering from schizophrenia. So anything that we can do that improves the uh, the illness or the control of the illness obviously has an impact on, on families and, and, and caregivers. And uh, following on from that, I think one of the one of the things that we really strive for is to to prevent relapse because relapse is when an individual experiences a, a return of the psychosis, usually related to some problem with not taking the medication. And when patients relapse, um, uh, that has an effect on caregivers. It leads to hospitalization. Um, patients often become disenfranchised or alienated from all of their supports because of the return of the illness and that exacerbation of psychosis. So by using a treatment that can prevent relapse, and we know that the long-acting injectables are actually quite good at doing that, um, that has a huge impact in terms of, of uh, relieving the um, ongoing um, uh, burden, if you will, uh, that families experience with uh, someone who's not very well or keeps getting unwell. Right. Still the same point, the challenges that persist uh, you're describing very valuable work in the sense of what the medications do, the antipsychotics do. Um, and I'm really asking you, does it do everything And if for the families and family caregivers? And if it doesn't, what are those challenges that persist? Pierre? Well, I think that's a very important point. And unfortunately, um, the use of LAIs, the long-acting injectables, tends to occur in individuals that have had multiple relapses or some chronicity uh, of illness. In other words, they've had the illness for a number of years with multiple episodes. Um, one of the, um, I think, premises that we are uh, working on at this time is really to look at how we can introduce a long-acting treatment earlier on in the course of therapy. Because if we were able to get someone uh, well and stable from their first or second episode of illness, then we could probably prevent much of the dysfunction and distress that occurs um, in later years. Um, unfortunately, I think there's a, a mindset that's as much driven by physicians as it is by by perhaps patients and caregivers that um, the injection is only for the, the last resort. It's for the most difficult patients, whereas we really need to kind of turn that around and look at how we can use the injectable earlier on as really the best possible treatment in terms of long-term outcome. Now, what you've just addressed also um, is the way in which long-acting injectable antipsychotics address the challenges in schizophrenia created for medical treatment. Um, what I heard you say, and I just want to make sure I got this right, is that in effect, starting early with injectable antipsychotics is going to help not only the individual, but the families and the family caregivers, not least because it puts off, prevents the relapses, that kind of thing. Now, let's go back to the other treatments 
or treatments for schizophrenia and the challenges that persist then. How, in other words, do you as a physician find that injectable antipsychotics address the challenges faced by you as a psychiatrist when you're providing care, prescribing care for a family uh, in which a member um, has schizophrenia and has been or is likely to be the subject of relapses. Pierre? Uh, that's a, a, a very interesting question, and I think um, the first thing that springs to mind is that when you give a medication by injection, you take away a lot of that daily conflict. So not only does a patient have to remember to take the medication, and that can be quite restrictive in terms of you know whether they can go out or take their medication with them, etc., but often caregivers and families are placed in the role of having to remind the patient to take their medication and to check that they've actually done it. And that then uh, creates a relationship of, of um, I wouldn't say distrust, but it, it, it means the relationship is hinged upon taking of the medication and uh, that often then becomes the, the bone of contention uh, between the, the individual and, and the caregivers and the family. By giving an injection, we kind of displace that so it's the treatment team that uh, administer the treatment and the families don't need to be involved in that. They can concentrate on um, all of the other aspects of improving the social and uh, relational functioning of the individual with schizophrenia as opposed to having to concentrate on did you take your medication today, why not, when are you going to take it and all of these things that just create argument and, and, um, and distress and unhappiness. Right. Um, who actually physically delivers the um, injectable? Uh, is it you, the psychiatrist? Is it, are the, is it a nurse team? Who does the delivery of those of that medication? Pierre. In most instances, it's uh, a nurse, and that can be a psychiatric nurse that's attached to a clinic. Um, it can be uh, a nurse in a family practice office. Um, um, in Alberta, we're quite fortunate in that we can also have pharmacists who give injections. So we've got a wide array of, of individuals, healthcare professionals that can administer the injection. And I think that's important because it lends a lot of flexibility. Um, we try and ensure that the patient has the injection from whomever they want it to, wherever they want it. So if they prefer to have it in their family doctor's office, we'll arrange that. If they like to come to the clinic and see um, the, um, the, the nurse or the psychiatrist there, then we'll arrange the injection there. Um, doctors do give um, injections, and when I was a resident, uh, I was trained to give them. I have to say that many doctors these days are uh, not trained uh, to give injections and probably not very good at doing so. Um, so uh, most of the injections are given by um, nurses, whether that's uh, psychiatric nurses or, or, or general nurses, um, and they're very well trained. Obviously, that's uh, um, uh, one of their, their, their basic techniques that they know very, very well how to do. Just to put it back to you, not as a question, but as a summary, I think the exciting part is that here is a team caring for the individual. Um, they look as though they're professional caregivers in that sense. You know, they maybe have white coats or maybe they don't, but certainly the setting in which they work emphasizes that they are professionals and replaces the tussle, struggle that families have did you take your medications? Did you forget? Why aren't you taking them? And all that kind of tension creation stuff. Um, and as I say, we, 
we're going to run out of time on this segment any second now, but that seems to me a very powerful and strong and encouraging message um, for what you're actually doing and been descri- describing. So, once again, it's time for the break. We'll take it now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Dr. Pierre Chu. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio on Voice America's Health and Wellness and Variety Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century. Family Matters with Dr. Virginia Collin will focus on building and maintaining healthy family relationships. We will discuss marriage, divorce, family mediation, parenting, lifestyles, and mental health, all kinds of family matters. Our show will feature guest experts and your participation, too. You can listen to Family Matters live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. You are listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments you'd like to share with him, please send them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's doc, letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio. Welcome back to our listeners to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Dr. Pierre Chu. Our topic is injectables and their role in medical treatment of schizophrenia. Pierre, now let's talk about research that is being done to address the main persistent challenges that you've identified created by schizophrenia for the various parties, individuals living with it, their families and family caregivers, and for their medical treatment. First off, first question, Pierre, tell us about the research that's going on um, to address the persistent challenges created for individuals. Pierre? Well, we've been uh, working very hard in the last few years at uh, 
not only developing and discovering uh, new um, antipsychotics for treating schizophrenia, but also formulating those antipsychotics as long-acting injections so that we have the option of uh, not only the tablet version, but also the long-acting injectable. Um, so in the last um, uh, five or six years, there, has been, there have been a, a number of uh, newer agents that are available as long-acting injections, and there are um, a couple in the pipeline and some very, very recently um, introduced to the market one of which um, actually extends the interval so it can be given every three months as opposed to every month. So these are some of the um, 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 uh, new developments that we've been working on in the last few years. So new agents, new formulations, but also different ways of delivering the injection so that we can make it more flexible. Just, just an amplification question. When you're talking about research into antipsychotics, is it the actual medications antipsychotics that are being developed or is it more a question of how to in, in extend and the time between in injections, or is it a matter of both of those things? It's a matter of all of them. So um, new agents, um, but also different formulations of the new agents and existing agents. So it's a very exciting time because um, we've had a number of new molecules come to the market, but we've also had um, some new formulations that have come to the market as well. And I think any um, increase in choice uh, allows us to have a, a better discussion uh, with our patients in terms of what is likely to suit them um, and what is likely to work best for them. And um, um, I think it's, it's, it's wonderful that we have that opportunity now uh, to be able to choose from a number of you know, very good first-line options. Right. Now, the next question is worded in much the same way. That is, tell us about the research on long-acting injectable and antipsychotics uh, but I'm interested in probing with you the way in which those medications address persistent challenges created for the families and family caregivers of individuals who live with schizophrenia and you've mentioned several of those in the previous segment so please tell us about that research. Pierre? Um, again, expanding a little bit from what I spoke about before, uh, prevention of relapse is um, um, certainly a major goal in terms of the treatment of schizophrenia. And uh, many of the um, new studies or recent studies have looked at how we can prevent relapse and how long we can prevent relapse for uh, using some of these newer agents and uh, newer formulations. Uh, we've also been looking at uh, quality of life and treatment satisfaction. And the quality of life um, um, is a, an interesting story because there's quality of life for the individual, but there's also quality of life for the family as well. Um, and the two are interrelated. And obviously, if we can ensure that someone um, gets well and stays well, that has a big impact on the quality of life for the family uh, and, and caregivers. And so a number of studies in the last little while have actually focused on uh, measures of treatment satisfaction and quality of life and functionality, um, not only for the, for, the, for, the, for the patients, but also for their caregivers. Um, and it's a very complex area to study. It's, it's not as simple as sometimes looking at a, a simple scale for a, a measuring a symptom because we're measuring um, often a subjective evaluation of what the illness and the control of the illness does or doesn't do uh, for families and, and, and caregivers. Just to extend the, that question in a somewhat different direction, that is towards the question of suicide. Um, as you 
very well know in a small percentage of people living with schizophrenia, suicide occurs or um, attempts at suicide occur. And that, of course, has enormous Im impact on families, particularly after the event of a suicide, who then ask themselves the terrifying question, where did we go wrong? Did we miss something? And this kind of thing. In the relapse prevention work that you're doing, do you see any benefit um, in the way of reduction of what I'm going to call the suicide risk? Pierre? Very much so. Um, we see an increased um, uh, suicide attempt rate in um, individuals who have poorly controlled illness, who are non-adherent uh, to treatment. And there have been some very good studies out of Scandinavia that have shown that the use of antipsychotics um, uh, reduces not only all-cause mortality, but also reduces suicide mortality. And um, the agents that have the most effect in terms of that reduction are uh, long-acting injectables and a, a specific medication called clozapine, or um, uh, which goes by the brand name of Clozaril. Um, so we know that um, good medications, um, good medications delivered um, uh, consistently to patients, do reduce the risk of suicidality, and and that's a huge problem in in schizophrenia. We know that more than fifty percent of patients will attempt at some point in their lives, and about ten percent will succeed, and and that's really unacceptable. Um, um, for an illness that we can um, uh, actually treat really very well and uh, control and um, allow people to, to get on with their lives um, if we're able to persuade and encourage um, the individual to take a treatment and stay with a treatment that's effective for them. Now, that takes me to another version of this question I'm asking you, um, asking you, to tell us about research on long-acting injectable antipsychotics to address persistent challenges created by schizophrenia for its medical treatment. In other words, um, there are challenges of the kind that you've just mentioned, that is making sure that in effect the treatment is adhered to and reducing the stress that's involved because that then reduces the, I'm paraphrasing you now, the relapses and all the grim things that can go on if the relapses continue to occur. Now, please tell us then, what would you see as the priorities in the research um, to deal with what I've called the persistent challenges in medical treatment? Pierre? I think the, the biggest challenge for me is, is really shifting the paradigm for not only patients, but also clinicians um, with respect to long-acting injectables. So as I mentioned, um, there is a perception that these are, are reserved for chronic patients um, who haven't responded to, to anything else. But if we switch that around and look at um, how much we can um, influence the overall process by early use and um, um, use early in the course of the illness. If we can get young um, individuals with the illness stable and well um, and allow them to continue to achieve their potential um, and um, um, become um, productive uh, members of society and and contribute to, um, to to their families in terms of uh, everything that you know is part of that that uh, uh, that process. 
to me, that's the biggest challenge. If we're able to um, change the, the thinking of, of both clinicians, but also how we talk about treatments to patients, then we may be able to make a difference in the longer term. Um, and, you know, sadly to say, even though we've had some very good medications around, uh, we haven't made a huge difference in terms of long-term outcome for many patients, um, primarily because it's very difficult to persuade someone to take some to take a medication uh, long term if one they don't really believe in it um, and two if it causes them um, side effects or, or problems and if that hasn't been discussed with them in terms of how they can be addressed. Earlier on in the previous segment, I asked you if it was reasonable to say that these long acting or any antipsychotics, had some features of tranquilizers, um, calming people down and that kind of thing. And you gave me a sort of guarded yes. Now, I'm going to ask you a similar question, but using a different objective. Would you go so far as to say that long-acting injectable antipsychotics that we've got now and that look as though they're coming and the research that's being done makes them... uh, a producer of hope for families, for individuals, and for society regarding schizophrenia. Yeah, I, I, I would certainly agree with with what you said there, and um, I think part of the problem is that you know the word antipsychotic conjures up a fairly negative image for <laughs> for many people. Um, these newer agents uh, do much more besides that. Um, um, they help with mood, they help with anxiety, um, um, they help with thinking, uh, clarity of thought, uh, they help with negative symptoms of, of, of schizophrenia. So they do many, many things. And in fact, these same agents are used at different doses in the treatment of bipolar disorder and, and depression. So uh, we have agents now that have a broad range of actions. So I think one of the important um, uh, tenets is really to kind of perhaps move away from uh, the notion of an antipsychotic and what conjure what negative image that conjures up and really um, a medication that can make a difference to a way an individual thinks and feels uh, for the better um, and the reason I was a bit hesitant about the word tranquilizer is that tranquilizer also has some negative connotations mm-hmm. um, I understand what you're trying to say in terms of 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 as a, of reducing some of that anxiety and distress that patients with psychosis have. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I hesitate to use the word tranquilizer because of, of, of some of those negative connotations. You know, I like to think of these newer medications as um, really medications that um, help with thinking, help with mood. And if we're able to deliver that medication in a, a way that is convenient, that you don't have to remember to take it every day, and you can get that medication and long-acting injection, as we do for some other physical illnesses, ah. then I think that's, that really is the, the, the ultimate goal of, of the research. And I think that is the biggest challenge that we're facing in terms of shifting the, the, the paradigm um, and the negative connotations of some of the things that we, we do in psychiatry, whether that's you know, antipsychotics or injectables, yes. and really just talking about the best possible treatment, the treatment that's going to be associated with the best possible outcome. And my word for that, and I'm not asking you to agree or disagree with it, is this is treatment that brings hope in a situation that in the past has been regarded as horrible, incurable, uh, unbeatable. Now, 
what you're saying is this promise in the way in which the treatment is being given, the kind of things that are being given in treatment. You're, you're not making any extreme claims about us having dealt with everything, but you are leaving a message of hope. Now, I'm not going to give you a chance to respond to that because we've run out of time on this episode, but that's my takeaway anyway. So once again, it's time for a short break. This is Dr. Gordon Adley, and my guest is Dr. Pierre Chu. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio on Voice America's Health and Wellness and Variety Channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Your best legal defense is the show that's here to answer your legal questions. Hosted by Lonnie McDowell, one of the top 100 California criminal defense trial attorneys, our program will answer your questions about the criminal justice system, even if you need to be anonymous. Lonnie demonstrates a firm understanding of the legal system, and his guests have experience in a number of facets of the law. Be prepared. Tune in. Your best legal defense airs Saturdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune in to the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments you'd like to share with him, please send them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's doc, letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio. Welcome back to our listeners to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Dr. Pierre Chu. Our topic is injectables and their role in medical treatment of schizophrenia. Pierre, now let's talk about what more you you would like to do or see done to promote understanding of the value of long-acting injectable antipsychotics in the medical treatment of schizophrenia. Question one is, what more would you personally like to do to promote understanding of the value of these of these medications we're talking about? Pierre. What I would like to do is um, really get the message out to um, as many people as possible uh, in terms of 
um, the hope that you've already alluded to uh, that we have in some of the newer treatments uh, available uh, to us, whether that's the new medications or newer medications and uh, the um, uh, formulations that we have, including the long-acting injectables. In order to do that, I think we need to provide good quality, unbiased um, information and education to um, patients, to caregivers, to families, so that they can discuss with their clinicians all of the options that may be available to them and not be too much influenced or not so influenced by either their own bias or that of of the clinician, but really be open-minded to what's available out there. And I think that's also linked to the concept of stigma um, because there is stigma attached to schizophrenia. There is stigma attached to medication. There is stigma attached to antipsychotic. And there's stigma attached to long-acting injectables or injectables. And I think we need to break that stigma uh, that's um, attached to mental illness, but specifically to schizophrenia, which I think has probably the most stigma within all psychiatric illness. And um, education is to my mind the the way that we do that right what more would you like to see done and by whom to promote understanding of the value of long-acting injectable antipsychotics in the medical treatment of schizophrenia yeah well one of the things i found is that um there are often systemic barriers uh, to the um uh, prescription or use of of long-acting injectables um, so we often have quite a difficult time getting Health Canada, um, first of all, to approve a treatment and then um, even more frustrating to get um, it reimbursed at a, at a provincial level or a hospital formulary level. Um, so uh, although these medications are obviously more expensive than what we've had in the past, they're also better, much better than what we've had in the past. And yet we often fight with um, some of these uh, agencies about getting reimbursement, whereas we don't fight about you know HIV medications or um, antibiotics or heart medications or you know cholesterol medications. They often get approved very quickly without any restriction or difficulty. Uh, but as a clinician, I often find it frustrating when um, I can't prescribe a new medication because it's not yet reimbursed or um, there is some additional complexity in terms of being able to do that. So I think that's one uh, one side of things. And the other is um, really um, um, educating clinicians and uh, mental health professionals that um, uh, long-acting injectables are not things of the past. They are actually things of the future. And uh, we need to ensure that we are able to deliver and provide them in environments that are conducive to the same. So, you know, a comfortable area, um, um, uh, not a, um, a typical clinic of kind of days gone by uh, where you might see um, many individuals with chronic mental illness, but uh, a much more welcoming, a much more hopeful and a much more um, um, positive environment in which someone receives a treatment by injection um, and gets to meet with their therapist, gets to meet with the, the treatment team. So I think these are some of the things that I really want to to, to change in terms of how we deliver um, uh, care um, for patients with schizophrenia. Right. Pierre, what more would you like to see done by the Schizophrenia Society of Canada to promote understanding of the value of long and acting injectable antipsychotics in the medical treatment of schizophrenia. In other words, the group that um, basically owns this talk show, Schizophrenia Community Radio, what more could they do to promote understanding? Pierre? 
Well, I think uh, today's show is a, a great first step um, in in that direction. Um, it uh, brings, I think, um, knowledge and uh, the opportunity to, to share some of that knowledge uh, with uh, a much broader um, population uh, than I could, um, for example, just uh, speaking to um, my patients or, a, or or perhaps even a group of, of caregivers. So the opportunity, I think, to disseminate information uh, that is um, accurate, that is um, current and um, uh, addresses, you know, the stigma that, as I say, underpins much of of the approach to to, to schizophrenia. I think this uh, the Schizophrenia Society has a has a tremendous opportunity to and a, and a role to, to to play in in that regard. Um, there are some, um, I think, some other literature that can be very helpful as well. There is a textbook on long-acting injections that um, um, I've been working on that that's going to be published next year in its second edition. So there are, I think, some very good resources as well. And I think um, Schizophrenia Society um, may play a role in terms of uh, pointing people in the direction whereby they can access good quality, unbiased um, information that they can then utilize in terms of their decisions and their discussions with their um, healthcare professionals about the treatments that they might want to try. Right. Now, when you're talking about having discussions with their um, psychiatrists, whoever, I want to ask you this question. Uh, It's based on one of the things we want to do with this show, and that is to have individuals with living with the condition and their families and family caregivers share their experiences with us. And one of the ideas that occurs to me after listening to you is that it might be a, an interesting idea to try to attract to the show um, somebody who has been the beneficiary of the treatments that you've been describing to us and their family members to talk about their experiences, share their experiences with this wider audience to say, yes, this helped us, or if it didn't, to explain why it didn't. Now, I know this is a loaded question, but do you see any value in getting the individuals themselves and their family caregivers to share their knowledge through radio broadcasting like this? Pierre? Very much so. I think that um, that experience is one that resonates with um, um, other caregivers, other families, and uh, uh, also patients. Um, so I think um, it's important when we're delivering information to for that information to come from a number of sources. So not only the healthcare professional, but you know, as you've um, um, suggested, the uh, the uh, the family and caregiver, as well as the as the patients uh, themselves. I think um, being able to hear. Um, each different perspective about the treatment and how well or not so well that's gone is very important because, you know, we then kind of assimilate that information, we make a decision, and I think that's how I like my patients to arrive at the treatment that we are going to follow because if I say this is good, um, that's not going to go very far. Um, The patient also has to think that this is a good option to have some trust and some belief that this is something that he or she wants to try and is likely to bring about some benefit. Um, And in order to get to that point, I think you have to have information from different sources. Right. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this powerful uh, episode. I want 
Pierre, I want to say thank you for sharing with us your experience, your insights and your opinions. And on behalf of us all, I wish you all success in your important work. And it really is important. And when your new book comes out, please let us know, because I think we'd like to get you talking about your book, apart from anything else, because it will be your story of how all of these things are evolving, which is extremely important. I want to say thank you to our listeners. And to our listeners, I'd say for comments or to ask questions, here's the email address to use. It's to me, docg at familycaregiversunite.org, or one word, Family Caregivers Unite. So with that, dear listeners, please join us for our next episode, which is listening empathizing, agreeing, and partnering in schizophrenia. We will look forward to this discussion with you all in our next broadcast. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us for Schizophrenia Community Radio with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thank you for supporting Schizophrenia Community Radio. We hope you, too, have gained strength. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.